This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Your next success begins with University of Maryland Global Campus. For more than 75 years, UMGC has been giving working adults like you the affordable, accredited online education you need to reach the future you want. Because the path to success is different for everyone, we offer more than 125 undergraduate and graduate degrees and certificates, along with personalized support and lifetime career services. Plus, our 100% online and hybrid courses let you learn in the way that fits your schedule best, while affordable tuition and financial resources make UMGC accessible. And with no application fee through August 31st, there's no better time to get started. Find the education you need to create the future you want. Choose from fields like business, healthcare, data analytics, cybersecurity, and more, and take the next step in your career. Apply by August 31st, and we'll waive your application fee. Learn more at umgc.edu. Certified to operate by Chef. And welcome back to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Emilio Donnello in the right-hand corner. And the secret square in the bottom is Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of Fulham's loss to Wolves, our 1-0 loss. But we're going to do a post-match show very differently because we're really not even going to talk about the match. Emilio and I basically did that already right after the match. Enough talking about the match. There are bigger topics that we need to be talking about we're going to do that on this show. If you're watching live, feel free to share a comment with us. We're going to talk about everything. We're basically going to talk about what is next for Fulham this season and next season and everything that goes with that. We're going to talk about the players, Scott Parker, Tony Khan, Shai Khan. Everything's on the table. If you have a topic for us, feel free to share it with us. But without further ado, let me go to my co-host first. Over to you, Max. I hate to say it, we have to talk about Fulham looking like they're going to go down. I know I called it a few weeks ago. We now have the Newcastle victory, which really now makes it very hard for Fulham. They're six points behind now. Just give me your opening thoughts, and then we'll get right into the show. Maybe a bit freeing, the result this morning about Burnley beating Newcastle. We've deluded ourselves for a number of months now, thinking that this 
average team of middling players with no cutting edge could stay in the top division in world football. I deluded myself. I think both of you probably deluded yourselves for, for a bit as we're allowed to as supporters, but, yeah, probably. Yeah, but probably. now it's clear. Now it's clear. Yeah. We're never really a Premier League team. We were never set up to succeed this season. It was always going to be difficult, but a number of factors I think fans have a right to be angry about because you could say it always looked likely we'd go down and I wouldn't disagree, but the manner in which it happened has to be a bit infuriating. I think I'm going to start with someone who we don't always talk about. The first name is always Tony Khan, but let's talk about Scott Parker. Okay. We had a must-win match. He said it himself. Friday night, Wolves. A Wolves team who hadn't won in five matches. And it's a five at the back. And Madge's on the bench. And it just seems like such a wrong mindset to go into that must-win match. And there has to be questions pointed at the manager because we had a moment after Liverpool when it looked like the trajectory was changing. And we lost it. I don't know how to explain it because we're on the cusp of some great Newcastle were faltering. We were in the ascendancy mm-hmm. and we've absolutely regressed. We used to be drawing matches. We should have won. Yep. Now we're just losing matches. It's pure and simple. It's four in a row. Mm-hmm. This is relegation form at the moment. Oh, we absolutely. need to do the most fingers have to be pointed at the manager. We all know he's a great man motivator, but where was that little bit of motivation when we needed it most? It wasn't there, mm-hmm. but also the players we have, are probably not going to have to stay in the Premier League. There's no number Is he 10 getting the most player. out of these players, Max? I think he, right he did a decent job. He ha- he's not getting mm-hmm. the most out of them. He's probably getting 75 80%. Okay. But he's been given a very poor set of tools to work with, and that has to do with the okay. director of football. Well, we'll talk about him. He's not yeah. nearly fit to do the job. He's doing three jobs at the moment. And I've said it before. It's a spit in the face to Fulham fans that he thinks that he's smarter than us, that he can convince us that one man can do three jobs and not care about a Premier League relegation campaign. There's, his actions speak louder than his words. He can say he cares about Fulham. It is a disgrace that he won't dedicate his full attention to us. And I said, Russ, I said, I said he should resign. I believe he should resign. Okay. Once it's official, we're relegated. And who we bring him in, who we bring in after, I don't care. It could be anyone as long as they're 100%. Well, I want focused. a name for me. That's better than what we have now. <laughs> uh, okay. Roy Hodgson, Arsene Wenger. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Very good. All right. Emilio, over to you because, again, our focus is going to be the last six matches and what Fulham can do. And, and mm. it doesn't look bright. It looks very difficult. But just give me your thoughts on what Max just shared and, and your views. Of, you know, it's been a few days. Well, what do you take out of uh, the match and, and also what Max just talked about here? Yeah, uh, no different than what I said on Friday. You know, the other day I, I thought the lineup was negative. I thought tactically we weren't set up correctly on Friday night. And, you know, we made our substitutions far too late in the game. So what I said, but the season... We played 32 games. You're, you're, you've got 26 points for a reason. You haven't got, oh, you only reflect on the Wolves game, you know, the game before that against Leeds. Or you know, it's This is a reflection of 32 games. And, you know, we're there for a reason. You know, you, you know, I don't like being right, but I said before the season, we, we, this will be a long, hard winter. You did so. We, there's no surprise. I said it before the season started. We haven't got enough goals in this team. And I got crucified by a lot of people who are watching now. But, you know, we didn't address that problem. Going back to Max's problem, you know, Tony Khan, where, where was our investment in our forwards? We didn't do that. We knew before the season, before ball was kicked, we do not have enough goals in this team. And nothing was done. And the best you can do is bring Josh Manager in right to death. You know, no disrespect. Not the sort of player that we need. You know, he's got a couple of goals and gone missing since then, to be honest. So it's why are we surprised? I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm right. I agree with Matt. I'm, I have a right to be disappointed that we've, we're getting relegated. But there's still six games. Yep, it's not over until it's mathematically not possible. But 
let's be realistic. You know, we're there for a reason. We haven't played consistently well for 32 games. I don't buy the fact we started those four or five games differently. We would have been in a better position. My, my gripe is when we were on top during that December to March phase, pre-Manchester City, we didn't win enough games. We won enough plaudits. A lot of a lot of good feedback from the uh, from from neutrals. We were pushing up the table, but only draws here and draws there. Burnley away, good example. We were in, we were on top at that time of the team. We were on a current form, one of the better teams in the division. That's right. We only, we only got a draw, but it was a good draw. Newcastle playing bad. They've gone there and won today. It's it's those fine margins. So you had that good spell. We didn't win enough games, and unfortunately, we are where we are for a reason, yep. or many reasons. But I'm not. I'm angry because we could have avoided this. Yep. But am I, you know, am I disappointed? Not really, because it's, you know, we, we are where we are. We were there for a reason. I didn't. Yeah, the table doesn't lie, as David Holloway would always lie. say on the show. The table doesn't, doesn't lie. lie. You can reflect on a on a negative attitude or poor lineup here and there, but it's 32 games of results, many of which, I mean, five wins out of 32, is does not warrant you to stay in this division. So the facts don't lie, and. Um, Let's let's think about what next for for the club. Like exactly on your on your header there on on there. It's yep. We're going to get relegated, and I said it to you on Friday. Yep. If we keep with the same philosophy of football on the pitch, we keep the same director of football who only looks at it season by season. Yes. Don't expect for them to bounce back. That squad of players. There's no long term plan. That squad of players are not good enough even to get us out out of the championship. A lot of players will go back to their parents' club. The players who've traditionally got us up in previous seasons need to move on. We've got to start rebuilding. Now, that rebuild could be successful in the transfer window, or we may have to be realistic and and have a two- to three-year plan to get there. Whether Scott Parker at the helm, I don't know. But overall, you know, it's we're there for a reason. I know Tony Khan's going to get a lot of stick, but I agree with Max. Scott Parker, in some recent games, I don't think has has not been gung-ho enough. For better or for worse, we, we were conservative on Friday, yet we still lost. Right. Right. And listen, that's why everything's on the table here. And I'll even put the owner on the mm-hmm. table as well, because everyone has a a part to uh, to blame mm-hmm. for where we are. And the players obviously have a huge part in it as well. And we're going to talk about that in just a bit, because, uh, you know, you know how I like to do the blame pie. We're going to do that in, in just a bit. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, let's just get to it, because there are six matches to go. Max, I'll go to you first. And we know where they are. We know that this is unlikely, but there's still an opportunity. So I'm going to put you in the shoes of Scott Parker. What do Fulham need to do in these last six matches to survive? What would you do if you were in charge? It's such a tough ask. The team just has to be devoid of confidence, which is the hardest thing to fix. After the Villa match and then after the heartbreak of Wolves, who would want to be a player in that dressing room? I think there's probably one leader in that team, and it's Anderson. And he posts really nice Instagram posts, which is really you know nice to see sometimes. I saw that. Is it going to make a difference? Can he rally the troops? Doubtful. There needs to be a lot of belief instilled by Parker, and that's such a such a tall tall order. What I would say is we have to be more positive. Is there any chance of that happening? I'm I'm so doubtful as well. Parker's had time after time again to start on the front foot, and it's never really come through. I don't think the back five is is the answer. We saw some glimpses on Friday of Robinson being a decent attacking force, but we don't have a top class of wing back. And I don't think either Tete, Robinson, or Aina fit the bill. They're all okay to good, but yes. the delivery isn't there. Mm-hmm. And you never really back them to maybe get a goal. 
or face one in the box and actually it just doesn't happen regularly enough. So I don't think we should do that wing back system. Okay. I think Maj and Mitrich have to start together. Mm-hmm. That's not rocket science. Again, put your two probably best goal scorers right. on the pitch at the same time. Hope Deckard over Reed catches form, but I don't really have a game plan for that. You have to focus on every single match. Honestly, I would right. say just focus on Burnley and Southampton before Newcastle and get wins there. But we can't throw away a Chelsea or an Arsenal or United. But shouldn't the approach be different, Max, especially against the Southamptons and the Burnleys, where we're taking it to them? It shouldn't be so conservative as as we saw in the last match. And I think this is where we talk about Parker. We're going to talk about the players as well. Trust me. But I just want to focus right now first on these last six matches, looking at Parker. And I think he is who he is. But when you have the evidence that you have, and he's willing to change things in the final 20 minutes, why can't he start the match like that, Max? Yeah, no, it, it is the philosophy in which we play for a draw and hope yes. for a win. But at this point in time, he, after he, what he Newcastle's done, that, more, that actually might give me some perverse hope is that it's been so screwed up to this point that he now has no choice but to take off the handbrake. Exactly. Be like, well, because at this point, as both of you know, draws do us no favors. Yeah. They, do, they do us nothing. He has to go for it. He has to change his mentality. Emilio, I want to go to you because... Wait, can I just say one thing quickly? Because Go ahead. I think we all agree that we need to change mentality. Yes. Would it really make a difference? Are there any real goal scorers in this team or uh, playmakers? I mean, I think that we could give Ruben Loftus-Cheek the ball for 90 minutes. He wouldn't do anything positive in terms of goal contribution. Well, there are limits to this team that even if... It's all well and good to say, play the attacking, way they play. Would it really create chances to score goals? I'm hopeful we would, but there's no guarantee. The team is missing that cutting edge that Newcastle United have, that Burnley have. That team well, again, we saw this have. today. I, I watched it today. I watched St. Maximum and Callum Wilson come on and change the game. And I'm thinking to myself, why don't we see that? Over to you, Emilio. I, I want your thoughts on what Max just shared. Because you and I talked about it, and I said I, I used this off-air, an example of what I saw from Newcastle United, that they have game changers. You said we do too. We just haven't seen it. So I, I want to get your thing, thoughts yeah. on this. At the end of the day, individually, these players, are not, you know, I don't think this team individually are as bad as Max is saying. I actually think that we've got some better quality. We look at – but you the, 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 you know, you're judged by the results. And I think yes. if you look at it two seasons ago, we've got, we've got the same points now as we had two seasons ago, albeit we've got six games still to play. But – Individually, we've got players who I think are more team players than the ones we had two years ago. But yet, yeah, it's that winning form. We haven't found that winning formula. You know, I look at I think there's I think COVID has a lot to answer for. You know, I think I think you know I'm not I keep banging on about this. Well, you know, I think it's a factor. Long COVID symptoms they don't go away overnight, and we had a big outbreak at the club. So the likes of Lookman who caught it, How about and who caught it. These guys, the speculation, but I'm led to believe they were two of the players who had COVID. And their form is not the same as it was pre-Christmas. Even when we went go through that spell when we were, we were drawing matches, should have won more matches and been dominating teams, they weren't the same players they were pre-Christmas. So something's not quite right. And, you know, it's this is the way Scott Parker plays his football. Last season, we sort of limped along. I think we underachieved last season, albeit we got promoted, but we should have got automatic promotion rather than through the playoffs with that squad of players, and we didn't. So we were fortunate to some extent going through the playoffs and, and, we, and, we, and we got through. At the end of the day, you know, Lookman's not a bad player, but we don't, we don't, we're too predictable at times. We're not getting the ball into the box often. Friday night, Angisa, lone player, got forward. There was no one to pull, pass the ball in the box. Where was Mitrovic? Where was, where, it's, it's, that's, is that the players? Is that tactics? At the end of the day, it well, was, that's that, the question. 
for me, it's tactics. I don't think the play, okay. players know they have. They've got you know they've got to go and score a goal to win the match. So okay, so we're going back to Scott Parker on this. Marcus tactics and. You know, we could t- we could talk to the cows come home about about the tag. We talk about it for two seasons now, and you know he's he's going to learn. You know, at the end of the day, I would still keep him. You know, I think we're going to talk about this shortly, but yeah, we will. You know, he's got to be go gung ho, nothing to lose, try your best. I I prefer the system we had against Everton. Look how open we were against how end to end flowing game. We dominated that game. Liverpool away. Look how strong we were defensively and look threatening at times. Go back to the, that style of football. Put the two, put the two men up front. And for better for worse, got nothing to lose. Exactly, I think playing away to Arsenal and Chelsea, weirdly, we will play better against those teams. Than See, we do. I agree with this. I actually agree that that we have a decent chance know. to get something out of these matches, but they have to win one of them or potentially both of them. The way That's things are going, but I think they match up. And Max, I'll go to you. What's weird about this? I think full match up better against Arsenal and Chelsea than they do against the last two opponents. It's bizarre to say that. But I think part of that is the mentality of Parker. I, I think the way he sets Fulham up, we play better against the bigger sides for whatever reason. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we're, we're better when we can kind of sit in that five at the back yeah. system, soak up yeah. pressure and take the few chances we have, but actually play quicker because it's not possession-based. It's more mm-hmm. – in that sense, I don't think you can write it down to simple Parker ball because Parker ball was championship 2019-20 season – where we pass around until the death and don't really create chances. The new system is we actually have much less possession, but try to be more dynamic when we have it, but are very happy to sit off mm-hmm. and have a very tight nil-nil game. So it's a similar result. It's cagey matches. but It's still conservative. It's a, it, it, conservative. You, know, you know, whichever way you do it, it's still not aggressive. And at this point, yeah. they cannot yeah. be passive. They need to be aggressive. Yeah. He needs to go for it. As you guys said, the handbrake has to come off. If you lose three, four nil at this point, does it really matter in the large scheme of things? No, because you need to go for the wins. And what frustrated me about the last match is I kept watching this thinking it's playing it to a point where the last 20 minutes you decide to go for it. You should be having the mentality. If you're desperate, you should be going in from, from the get go. Give these players a chance to express themselves from the get go. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. As goes back to Emilio, are these bad players? I don't think they're, no, they're bad, bad players. players. They're not bad players. They're not bad players. They're not bad players. Yes. no, they are. They are. Again, you you guys have gone on for for the first sixty minutes. The table doesn't lie. Stats don't lie. Yeah, but I players don't play. score. What? How many goals do we have this season? Definitely fewer than matches played. I'm I'm pretty sure of that. Okay. That's okay. bad players. That's but, it. But is that the players or is that the actual tactics? Or no, 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 no. Come on, Emilio. I really believe that we have had decent opportunities to score this year. We might not have created enough. But we created a hell of a lot more than the goals we've scored. Good chances. And I do think that as individual players. I don't think you can all put that down to tactics. It's a sense we don't really have a good goal score. who can do it consistently week in, week out. And we don't have players who can create the chances. That goes beyond tactics. That's well, recruitment, and that's just individual quality. We have to treat the fact that we can't score just as seriously as the fact that we leaked goals for fun under Slavisa and Ranieri. Yeah. And then the, the, yeah, it's the yeah. same level of crisis, in my opinion. But yeah. it, it seems a little bit better to have a – Solid defense, but a weak attack. But okay. In reality, it's still shooting yourself in the foot. Okay, that's going to bring up a topic, guys. You and I were talking about this off air. Now, I'm not putting it all on one player because, again, he has his detractors and the fans that love him. Do Fulham, do Fulham miss Tom Kearney? Over to you, Emilio. 
we look at the chances created. Are we missing someone that can unlock a defense? Yeah, are we missing this? Yeah, we are missing that, to be honest. Whether that's Tom Kenny or someone that is someone better than him, we have missed out. I mean, there's no quality. There's no one who can split that defense, have a good eye for God. Loftus-Cheek was meant to, is meant to be that player. He's been constantly playing out of well, in different. How many multiple positions is he playing? Parker hasn't found the best position for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Is it one goal in, what, 27 games? That tells a sorry story. But yep. is he a bad player? Well, I, I don't think he is a bad player. I think for, his record at Fulham suggests he's a bad player. But Crystal Palace, he, he, he shone. Why did whoever, who's the manager? Was it Roy Hodgson, the manager at Crystal Palace? Now, Roy Hodgson found a way of getting Loftus-Cheek to play well and scoring and assisting. Scott Parker hasn't. Now, is no. Because Loftus-Cheek was in, is injured, still carrying an, an injury, not the player who was pre, pre-surgery. I don't know, but... You don't suddenly become a bad player overnight. Now, using that example there, Tom Ken has been injured. Loftus Cheek has had more freedom, but obviously hasn't created anything. You know, so I think on, on the balance of play, I think we have missed Tom Kenny's invention, composure at times, calming influence on the team. I'm not saying he's captain material. We know he's not, but it's some of those 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 skills that we, I think we have missed at we, times when when the chips are down. We need someone with a bit of bit of brains. That and creativity. Have. Yeah. That in creativity, Max. Your thoughts, because again, we forget that he's been he's been out for so long, and he does have the tendency to slow down the team. He does because he he's not a quick player, but he does have that creativity, as I said, and uh, as Emilio just said, he's a smart player. So, do we miss him? Yes, we do. For all the reasons you guys listed, there's not someone to pick that final pass, mm-hmm. and yes, he does slow the play down, but. There's a side of him which we rarely see, but we sometimes see, which is hard tackling, which is aggressive, yeah, he, which uh, is living up to the captain's armband in which he used to wear. So we do miss a player like him. What I would say, though, is that a player automatically gets better the longer he's out of the side and the team's doing poorly because we create him into this figure, which you know mm. he might not be. He's not all that. I think he, I love Tom Kearney, but we yeah, have seen yeah. over the past couple of Premier League seasons he's not quite yeah, Premier League. You're right, yeah. But I, I think we're missing – things would be better with him. Maybe he's not the 100% answer, but we definitely need a number 10 in that mold if mm. we want to be successful. Because as you guys have mentioned, lost his cheek, out of position, out of form. Who's picking that pass? Yeah, it, Harrison Reed and Lamina are always mm-hmm. primarily defense first. And mm-hmm. I do, and I was impressed by Angisa in the yep. sub appearance against Wolves, but he does tend to lose composure when it actually matters in the final third. That's mm. not his forte. Right. Where's the player right. who's, who's picking that pass? And as yeah. we've gone through the entire team, yeah. it's just not there. Are we surprised right. we're in the relegation zone? As Amelia said, probably not. Probably right. not. Right. I do want to mention one thing, and uh, you can actually go on the uh, Facebook group for Gordon Davis. It's a great Facebook group. And Gordon actually had a very interesting comment that I want to share with, with you guys. Again, I don't have it right up, so I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But he talked about our tactics. And, you know, as a striker, you know, Gordon has said on this show that Mitro and any strikers living off of scraps. So you have to ask yourself, why are they living off of scraps? And he used the example of the way that we play with the inverted wingers that they're, that they're cutting in. Then you're expecting your fullbacks to overlap and get crosses in the box. And we're just not seeing that. It's the combination that it really is wanting to play as Gordon said. It seems like Parker wants us to play like Man City, Emilio, and we're not Man City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we look at the players that we've, you know, that we've persevered or Scott Parker's persevered with. You know, Cavalero. You know, it's like yeah. you're seeing something in Cavalero that we don't see in 90 minutes on the football pitch. We saw Cavalero have a very, a very poor to average season last year in the Championship, 
yet he's figured more this year in the Premier League than he did last year. If you actually look how many games he's played this season, more than last season, something doesn't, that doesn't feel right. Deckard Overeed, come on, much, you know, I know I was his biggest critic before the season started. Yeah, I know he's, he's a top scorer. He's tried hard, but, you know, he's, he's still, he's just picked up a knock. He's, he, what, he was anonymous on Friday night. Yeah, he was. And we're trying to see why, why I don't think he's a Premier League player. You know, at the end of the day, he, I can't fault his endeavour, his commitment before Christmas, scoring some important goals, running up and down the pitch, versatile. But is he a Premier League player? Not really. He's a bottom three, bottom four Premier League player, which is naturally in the, in the, he's in, in that team. Same with Cavalero. Same with Knockhart, Cabano. Yeah, Josh. They're, all, they're all in the same box, Emilio. They're just not yeah. good enough for what we need to stay in the Premier League. These aren't players aren't Premier League players. So we're going to utilise them next season, yes. So what are we going to say? Joe Bryan, you're not good enough for Premier League. Go back and play left back next season. Johansson, we we you're not good enough for Premier League. Come and play back. We need to move on. Go yeah. back, rebuild. Look at our strategy for for recruitment and push on. And and, and it's going to be it may be a difficult couple of seasons. Fans okay. need to be realistic. I think we're going to talk about that in a moment. But overall, yeah. you know we you know the only the only creative player that we have is Lookman, and unfortunately he's been found out because yeah. he's always got two people around him. So he's getting he's getting no no productivity. You know, earlier in the season, looking more sharp, more dangerous. Since Christmas, since COVID, he's not the player he was. And unfortunately, we're not creating enough chances. And with that outlet's out of, you know, not figuring, then where's your creativity coming from? Loftus cheek out, no confidence. Right. We haven't got Tom Kearney. Cavalero's running like a headless chicken. It's, you know, to Bax's point, where are the goals? The goals aren't going to come from anywhere because we're not got any creativity, no quality yep. there. No, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, coming up next, we're going to play the blame game. Who do you blame and what percentage do you give to the categories that I'm going to give my co-host? And later on in the show, we're going to talk about next season. Boy, there's a lot to talk about in regards to next season. Okay, guys, let's get to it. I'm going to start with Scott Parker. Emilio, I'll start with you. How much of the blame do you put on Scott Parker for where we are right now? Look, if I turn the clock back two years ago, me and you, I remember, did the show as soon as he was appointed – Neither of us were inspired, but you've got to you've got to respect the decision that was made and to give the guy a chance. You know, he took he took the helm the last last one, like eight, nine games of the season a couple of years ago, got got more out of those players, but naturally we got relegated. I thought we underachieved last year, but he still got us promoted. So you've got obviously naturally you give you've got to give him a chance. And I'm not still not his biggest fan, but I like him individually. I I think you've got to do what Burnley did with Sean Dyche. You yep. can't keep attacking managers. You know, give him We've learned from our mistakes this season. He will learn from these mistakes. Maybe some of his, his, his tactics, formations, approach weren't suitable in this cutting, you know, cutthroat division. So I think he will be better for that next season. So I think you persevere, give him the tools and allow him to be part of that rebuilding exercise. But he's young. We knew that. So I'm not going to put, I can't put too much blame on him entirely because okay. he, he can only play at football in a team of 11 with the players at his disposal. He had championship players coming into the division. There was no investment at the start of the season. So he he was only given limited tools. So I can't blame him for that. That goes back to the owners there. But overall, there'll be some of the the post-match shows that we've done and straight after games, we've we've said maybe substitution decision-making is a little bit slow at times. He didn't show enough urgency on Friday night against Wolves. I think Aston Villa last week, I think he was naive. At the point it was 1-1, you change it. He didn't, and we, we crumbled within 12, you know, 12 minutes. So that was another weakness that he'll learn from. Yeah. Don't do what Chelsea do, sack Frank Lampard and move on. We're not that type of club. Give no. the guy a chance. He'll learn from his mistakes this season. 
And you know, I think I think you know we he'll have to be part of this rebuilding, and he can attract the right players as well. I think you've seen that. I think, I think players want to play for him. him. Yeah, players they do. Are playing for him, and he'll yeah. give them plaudits. And he he's not afraid to make some you know some ruthless decisions by dropping Tosin on Friday night. So. That was a tough decision. Yeah, it was a tough decision, but he made it. You know, he made it. So he did. overall, deserves credit for that. You, you, you clearly you have to take some blame because yep. formations, tactics, etc. His style of football, he's been a bit stubborn, not changing it. And yeah, you've got to give him some blame. I don't know if you want a percentage, but I think yeah, give me a percentage to thirty percent. You've got to put it on on the manager. Okay, maximum, maximum. I think maximum. the owners take more responsibility. But if we look at them, sorry, I'm going to change that because you've got players, <laughs> manager. And other, i.e. the tech. So I'm going to say Scott Parker probably takes about 10 to 15 percent max. 10, 15 percent. Okay. Yeah, if you look at the balance of those three. That's okay. Fair. That's um, fair. How about you, Max? What would you put the percentage on? The blame for where we are, you know, we've done this several times. The blame pie. How, how much would you put right now on Scott Parker? And then we'll talk about the players. The conversation we've had over the past, you know, ten minutes, I think, has perhaps moderated my view on him because we've gone through the squad. And mm. as you Milo said very well, a manager can only do what he can with the players at his disposal. We're crying out for more attacking, more creativity. We just went through the attacking players we have. Yep. And it's not there in the sense that we need it to be there. So that's when I feel like when we see him play five of the back against Wolves or see him be conservative with the subs, maybe that's just Parker playing within the team that he has. He knows that he might want to play more aggressively, but he knows doesn't have the players he doesn't have the tools okay that's one sense the other sense though is that he has been too negative even with all that said you simply can't play five at the back in a game you call a must win exactly you simply can't uh, insist on playing players like Cavalero for large stretches of the season there's been some baffling substitutions as you've mentioned it's been too slow he's not aggressive I would go a bit higher than Miller I'd probably say 30 percent 30 percent down to Parker just because you know the manager is a is a person who knows the team the best, and he still okay. made some strange choices, and didn't really go for it when the games are there to be won. But okay. so much of it is the players at his disposal, and also the players themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to talk about the players. So I'll go right back to Max. When you look at it, you know, and then we're going to talk about Tony, and we're going to talk about Shahid after this because I want to include them as part of this. There are four components to this because I think ownership we have to include as well. And obviously, we're going to talk about the director of football. But before we do, let's look at the players themselves going out there. Now, several of them are, are on loan. We understand that. I I can't fault the effort. I think that they're giving much effort. But actually, Mike Greg brought up a good point on Twitter. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he basically, I'm paraphrasing, I don't have the tweet up, but he was asking the question, did the players out there seem to you were busting a gut for 90 minutes? He, he actually did say that after the match. Uh, and it's a valid point, but I, I think overall, I think the players have given them themselves a great deal of foam, and I think they generally want to do good for foam. There's always the argument with all these loan players, do they care about the club? I think these players actually care about the club, as you saw with uh, the situation with uh, Mario Lamina after the match. I think he took it to heart. You know, I think he absolutely took it to heart. So how much of the blame do you put on the players, Max? I'll give it a decent 20% because – their effort cannot be faulted for the majority of the season. I think the Liverpool game typifies that. Mm. They literally were throwing their bodies at the ball and they're hugging Parker at the end. That to me showed that they care, even the ones on loan, um, which is a question a lot of people have been raising, Ross, as you yep. mentioned. I think the loan players, 
again, the vast majority of them have played for the badge. Look at Areola. This is someone who probably sees himself as a both Fulham. We haven't seen really that at all this season. He's played completely for the club and, and has been superb in his effort and stayed this many times. Um, so if someone who's playing the, in the Champions League for PSG and Real Madrid can then take a step down to relegation dogfight and still continue that very high level of quality, that says it all for me. But, you know, for every Areola, there's a loss his cheek. There is a Mitrovic. There's, you know, a number of players have to sink out Tosin in the past couple of weeks. Mm. Players who just seem to make inexplicable mistakes or seem to switch off or seem to be anonymous. Cavalier as well. Um, and just not having a creative engine in that team. So I'd say a good 20% is on the players because there are times when you felt there were chances squandered. There were matches when we went missing the lead second half, the last 50 minutes at Villa. And for me, a manager can only do so much when the players just kind of let the match pass them by. No one stands okay. up. So I think 20% is fair. Okay. I'm going to share this comment. <clears throat> oh, wrong comment. Thank you very much, Ralph. I, but again, I, I want to go to this comment from my friend Tony Gold because this, this actually stands out to me. There's a reason why these players are loan players. There's a reason why their clubs let them out on loan. It's a good point. Emilio, what are your thoughts about that? Because again, we brought in all these players on loan, but you also have to ask yourself, why were they available on loan? Um, then this is where there's, you know, with big, let's start at the beginning of the season when we got these loan players. I think most, most many of our fans were quite happy. You know, yeah. Lookman, I thought we, you know, then Lookman, we've got Lookman, Loftus Cheek on paper before we, they kicked the ball. How many of the people are commenting now? were disappointed with those loan signs. I'll be just if there's quite if there's double if there's people two faced it, then please shout it out. But as far as I'm concerned, most of us were comfortable was actually Anderson, Ariola, yes. you know, the, you know what's it, um, Loftus Cheek, Lookman. These are players actually so blind. They, you know what they 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 want to they want to prove themselves in the Premier League. This was a platform for them to prove themselves in the Premier League. And as presumably Tony kind negotiated some clauses that if we did yeah. survive then he had the first refusal to, to buy them. So right. overall, you know, I, I slightly disagree with that comment. They're, they're not loan okay. players for a reason. They're, they've obviously wanted to pursue a career at, at the top level. The Premier League is, is a bigger is a bigger league than the Bundesliga, arguably, arguably speaking, and to, to, the, to the Dutch League and the French League. So for them, it's an opportunity to prove yourself in the top league, either sign permanently for Fulham to stay up, or it gives them a uh, springboard to go to a bigger club in the Premier League. So I slightly disagree with that comment. But overall, I think the issue is we've had too many lone players. That's a problem. Yeah. And, trying, and trying to gel them together. And it goes back to the, the recruitment policy. We we yep. had a squad in the Championship that we all knew is very limited at Premier League quality. And therefore, you have to supplement that with additional signings, whether it's permanent or not. Yep. And the problem is when you start to suddenly buy a new squad of players, mixed between loaners, it's... It's, it takes a it takes a good manager to bring those players together and find a winning formula. Scott Parker right. hasn't hasn't found hasn't hasn't had that ability to do that. Now that's partly his fault, partly the players, and maybe Tony Khan not reinforcing in key areas. But overall, I disagree with that comment to some extent. And that, the issue there is our recruitment. But goes back to recruitment policy. Two yep. years ago, spent a hundred million didn't work. This year's gone the other way around. Yep, it hasn't worked either. So. <laughs> Two relegations in Tony Khan since you've been director of football. And that's a, that's a fantastic statistic to have. <laughs> well, again, there's a reason why I put up this graph. Think about uh, thoughts on Lone United, and and again, I want to give Mike mm-hmm. Gregg, our, our co-host, and, and also 
on the uh, Fofcast. He's a co-host there as well. He actually has been tweeting out columnists low and united, and I agree with that. Max, what are your thoughts about this? Because, again, Emilio brings up an interesting thought on all the loans, and um, Tony Gold actually posed the question, but these players were made available from their parent clubs for a reason. What, what are your thoughts about all these players on loan? So just so I'm getting this correct, is, is Mike's issue with Lone United that we have too many lone players or that the lone players are not made permanent? Because I, on, on one respect, I don't understand it at all. You know, is the question, would you rather have Anderson alone and not have him at all? Of course not. These players have been yep. massive parts of this team. Mm-hmm. And I think we needed a massive overhaul. I think it, I can't if speak for saying, Mike, but is it because it's too many? I mean, that's just naive. And I, I okay. think Mike should know a lot better than that because this team, when we got promoted after the Brentford match, was nowhere near Premier League quality. Well, we knew and that. I agree with Tony Khan doing everything he could mm-hmm. to make this team you know, as competitive as possible in a short amount of time. And that means loans, realistically. Mm-hmm. We have to be realistic yep. here. Would we ever got Anderson on a permanent, Ariola on a permanent? No. Look, no chance. And yes, some of the loans were hit and miss. Lost is chic being the, the big example of a failure. Well, but some hits. Take, take, mm-hmm. There have been a lot of hits. I mean, Aina, I think, has been very dependable. Lamina, I think, has surprised a lot of people and how much yeah. he cares and his you know, match-winning potential in a couple of games. If you're looking at this team, I'm almost, I almost would say bring on more loans. Where is a lone striker? You know, Where is a lone creative fielder in addition? <laughs> Give me more loans because, yes, it, it, it is a short-term investment, but yeah. I agree with what... Tony's objective was, which was well, I think there's we a reason why we had to go this way. Right. You know, it's funny because when we talk about Lone United and, and I did put up that graphic and we're going to talk about Tony now and, and I'm gonna, I definitely want your thoughts on how much do we blame him. The one thing that I do want to say about, about the loans is uh, it goes back guys, because, because I, I want to talk about Tony now and I'll, and I'll put this up because uh, obviously Everyone is talking about Tony, and we, we need to talk about Tony and put it, him into perspective, the job he's done. Because for me, and I'll speak on my thoughts on Tony, he blew it two seasons ago. This goes back to everything that's happening now comes all the way around to this season. Mm-hmm. He spent yeah, true. 100 million pounds two seasons ago, which I believe has forced him to do this Lone United now. Because the money, again, it was aggressive, but it, it turned out to be – not spent wisely, and we're paying for it now. He has found creative ways to bring in players, but overall, he is covering up the mistakes from two seasons ago with the way that we're doing business now. This is a reaction to make sure that we are FFP compliant, I truly believe, and a reaction to the mistakes made two seasons Mm -hmm. ago. So with that said, Max, I'll start with you. How much of the blame do you put on Tony Khan? Oh, a tremendous amount. I'm really glad you brought up the transfers in two seasons ago because I just mm. looked it up right now. Let me just read off the list of names. Read off read off the list and look at the money spent. Yeah, you know, Jean-Michel Serri. This is, uh, for some reason, I'm in dollars here, but $33 million. He was many 25 million pounds around about. And Gisa, you know, he was, again, probably around 25 million pounds. Mitrich, success. Alfie Mawson, Joe Bryan, Fabry, Lamarchand. Nordvite, Sherla, Markovic, Chambers, Rico, Vieto, <laughs> Fosu Mensa, right? These are the players coming in. Um, and of course, as you know, very few of them are still with the side, and a lot of them are very expensive mistakes. And you're right, it, it is a knock on effects of that of that season, which led to us loading players in, not having enough money. They're bad transfers. It wasn't the money spent. 
I'm happy spending money. We need to spend money. It was just poorly spent. It was poorly to... spent. Exactly, Max. And But uh, when evaluating t- Tony Khan, I think there are kind of two aspects we have to look at. One is the actual transfers, which I think a lot of them have been hit, but a lot of them have been missed. And it's tough to evaluate it with a level head because he brings in someone like an Anderson on loan, Ariel on loan. Those two loan signings are remarkable pieces oh, of business. He you deserves just, credit for that. Just Absolutely. that. And Absolutely. I think it's tough because it's a more nuanced view than maybe I, I like to believe or anyone else likes to believe. The good comes to the bad. Unfortunately, the reason why he doesn't get the benefit of doubt, I think perhaps another person would get the benefit of doubt, which would say, listen, Tony did an absolute wonderful business. He also had a lot of misses, but he cares about the club, so we'll give him the benefit of doubt. The reason which the fan base and myself turn against him is because I think he's taking us for fools in the okay. sense that he could convince us for however many seasons that it was an acceptable for a person to do two other jobs on the side while being a Premier League director of football. He convinced us. And for a time, I thought maybe he actually can do it. But in the reality, there's no situation that's acceptable. It's a lot of his nepotism, a lot of his naivety, a lot of it. He is the, he is a chairman's son, plain and simple. Because I don't show me another business when perhaps, what is it, the COO, I'd say, or the CEO, he's doing two other jobs on the side. Oh, and his father's mm-hmm. a chairman. It, it doesn't happen. And no, that's a, they've kind a of used Football it's Club as their plaything. As their plaything. And I think the fact that you see him tweeting over the weekend, you know, I'm glad he's not tweeting about Fulham anymore because you know how, makes you it know worse. How I feel but he's tweeting about, about he the wrestling. He shouldn't tweet at all. He you Thank know, you. I, he shouldn't. And, and that's when I think I really got disrespected because he is someone who I think has good intentions, but yep. is a bit arrogant. Uh, sorry, is very arrogant and thinks, oh, you know, these these Brits or these American Fulham fans, they'll be happy we're investing and they'll be okay with me having a couple of side ventures, which are a bit more than side ventures. But at the end of the day, the fan base is smart. Yeah. And we demand someone who wants to be a part of this family and not be a part of other pursuits. And that is not a ridiculous ask. That's not a hateful or abusive ask. It's actually the bare minimum that a Premier League club should demand. And mm-hmm. we've been disrespected because we don't have that. And there's a reason we're in this predicament is because there's not 100% attention placed on it. Okay. And there's a reason you have hidden miss transfers. Just give me someone who cares about the club and only cares about the club just okay. like the other 19 teams have in okay. terms of the director of football. Okay, and, and I will say this before I go to Emilio, and uh, I had a nice back and forth with several supporters, and the only thing I will say is you want to get rid of Tony, you know, just think of names of of uh, potential replacements because I, w- I want a solution, actually, and I'll give Steve Whitty some credit here. Steve really um, came up to the point and said he would he would have Gary Neville as a director of football. And and uh, and, bring, now. Let me go. <laughs> and bring in Rafa Benitez as your manager. Now again, you might not like the names, but it, the point is that Steve was actually Steve took my challenge and actually came up with a name, and, and I and I appreciate that. But when you look at this, it's funny because because uh, Scott Tanfield, who I respect a great deal, said you know you know when we're talking about Tony and uh, you know that ultimately you know. The, the father has to look at, you know, in many cases, the father has uh, fired sons and businesses. And, and I'm thinking, I haven't seen any examples of that. I'm sure there are. That's going to be a tough ass to fire your son. But mm. and we'll talk about shot in just a bit, because because, again, it's it's a tough pill to swallow. So because because then it comes into, well, if you if you're expecting that, I think it's more likely that you would need them to sell before Tony is taken away from the job. But Max, to your point, if you take out the nepotism and you look at the job he's done, and I said I, I would wait until the end of the season 
if we got relegated, it looks likely. But if that is the case, he should be fired. In any other general manager job over here, we, we yeah. are in America, he'd be fired already. There's no question about it. He'd be fired. And so I will say that. I will definitely say that. I want to give the end of the season and then say it then, or he's, you know, and then we could talk about should he continue. But if Fulham are relegated, he definitely should be fired, sacked. Hmm. Absolutely. So how much blame do you put on Tony, Max, before I go to uh, Emilio? So how many more categories do we have left? Are we giving Shady Collins a separate category? One more. One more. One more. Um, so Shot. I'd say 49%. Okay. Over to you, Emilio, your thoughts. At the end of the day, it's, I'm not defending anyone here. Let's, let's be very clear. So we've got an owner for this, you know, who's invested a hell of a lot of money in this club. To Max's point, the intentions of the owners have been very clear. They've, been, they've spent over 100 million a couple of seasons ago. They spent a lot of money last season in the championship to get what, what I call average players on permanent contracts. Um, so, and B, you know, he's done. They've done their best this year to to keep us in the Premier League. Yep. They're spending a lot of money on the stadium, so their heart's in the right place. But their record is showing three relegations out of three. Maybe the first one we can give them a slightly uh, you know exception there because of the, the inheriting an, an aging squad, but. It goes back around the what's the philosophy for, for, for our recruitment. That's a problem. It's, it just seems to be season by season. All this massive purchasing a couple of years ago, and your point, I agree with you, Ross, we haven't recovered from that. No. He made some poor, he made some poor decisions, overinflated prices some of the players, and, you know, we got relegated, you know, with a, a you know with a whimp, to be honest. La- but also last season, you know, losing Knockhart and Cavalera. Why the hell are we signing two, two players on permanent contracts, you know, on, you know, for excessive funds? Both very average. Then they're either bottom three or they're championship type players. So that he needs to take criticism for that. I don't blame. If I look at this season alone, yep. he's done his best. He's trying to recover the financial situation. He's got us some very good loan players you know, who, on the whole, you would have expected to perform well. But some people have flattered to see that we've talked about on this show already. But overall, you know the key does. You know we knew we were lacking goals. He, he sorted out the defense, and you know our, our defensive record much better than it was two seasons ago. And it's not a, a defense of a bottom three team, but clearly we've got the worst, I think, offensive rate scoring rate in the division. Yep. Now who do you have to blame for that? You can't blame Parker for that. You've got to you've got to blame the owners. There hasn't been any investment there. So overall, I'm still I'm putting about fifty percent of my blame to to Tony Khan because it's not I'm not judging him for this season. I'm judging him more holistically as a package. As a whole. Yeah. As a whole, you have to look at it as a whole. The, the, the strategy for recruitment is season by season. I said on the it's show, it's not long term, Emilio. We've talked, no. you and I have talked about no. this. This is what has angered me. It yeah. does not seem like the yeah. long term solution. What is the long term solution? As you mentioned to me, when you look at Brighton, they have a long term plan. Southampton, they have a Southampton way. Wolves, Wolves is good. My good example. They had a championship squad. Sorry, they had a. Ch- they, they stormed the championship when they got promoted. But they had players who were capable of playing at this level, and yeah. they proved that for three seasons. Two seasons ago, we got promoted with players we knew that were very incapable of playing the Premier League, and we've done the same again this season. We've got yeah. promoted, and I maybe there's a comment I've seen some one of the fans here. Did we get promoted too early last season because we didn't have enough quality there? Scott Parker can only play the the, pre- the Championship players for the first three or four games of the season. Look. You know, we failed miserably. Hence, there was more urgency from Tony Khan to sort out some of these these loan signings yep. to give us more opportunities in the division. So, for me, it's there's no there's no plan here. It's very much let's see what we can do to stay up. Hope we stay up, and then we worry about building from there. And unfortunately, he's done he's done that twice, and he's failed twice. But 
let's be very clear. We still got six games left. So we do, we do, and that's why I'm going to give you both scenarios for next season. Yeah. What if Fulham stay up, and what if they go down? But, but if they go down, I worry about that squad. That squad we've got okay. underperformed last season. Championship plays, yet we scraped through through the playoff final. These players are now a season older, and I, I, I worry. I worry for us. And this Tony Khan's got a strategy to to recruit a squad that could get promoted with the right manager, whether it's Park or not, and have give ourselves the best chance to stay in yeah. the Premier League. Otherwise, you're going to do what Norwich do, yo-yo club. Right. And that's a good point. And back over to you, Max. What, what are your thoughts on, on all this? And where do you fall on form? Because when, when you look at them, where is the long-term plan? I don't think that they actually have one. And here's my question to you. I just mentioned there is a Southampton way. There absolutely is. Is there a Fulham way? I don't think there is. I don't think that from the top to the bottom, there. what is the structure of Fulham Football Club that this is who we are? I don't see it. I see it with other clubs. I don't see it with us. Yeah. There's been no long-term plan because it's always been stay in the Premier League for at least more than one season, and then we can do the long-term plan. So much has been put on us staying and surviving in this top flight, which you haven't But maybe done. that's the problem, Max. No, that's maybe. the issue. And I think I, I can see the merits to it in, in the sense that, okay, get a foothold in the Premier League, and now we can plan long. But we have to spend unsustainably just to stay in this hard division. And it just hasn't worked out. It, it's difficult to do. I know. In many ways, you know, we were dealt a tough hand, to be honest, with the short off season, the COVID financial crisis. Listen, that's all fair. And going off, going up through the yeah. playoffs. It yep. was a tough hand. And, and at that point, Ross, you can't even have a long-term plan because everything has to be, okay, we're going to start against Arsenal with the likes of Hector and Adoy and Reem and Anima, <laughs> but we need new players in quickly. It was a very difficult situation. That being said, we leave our business late. There's yep. not, you're right, there's not really time to look, yep. have a long time horizon. It's all, let's focus on this one season. Yep. And you know what that is, guys? It's called the Yo-Yo Club. And that's mm. who we are right now. That's, we that's are exactly the what it's called. Yo-Yo Club. We go up, we go down, we go up, we go down. And right now we're on the down. I don't want to be Norwich, to be honest with you. I, I don't, I don't. I don't want to be Norwich next season because, this, <laughs> what, you know, this is the thing. This, we will, you know, we've got too many loan players. We will likely, <sighs> the majority will return back to their parent club. Yeah. And the existent permanent members of the team. But they know how to do it in a way. They they absolutely know how to do it. But you know, I, you know, I worry. I worry. I think you okay. know I think that the depth will this way. These players are older. We okay. can't be relying on Brian Johansson, okay. Cabano. We've got to move on. That's going to be the whole point about rebuilding. So you're letting loan okay. players go, letting permanent players go, and let all these loan players that we've loaned out. Yep. Etanelli, has he shone at Middlesbrough? No. Cabano shone, no. Mawson shone, no. Johansson's the only player who's actually doing well at his loan club at QPR. Yeah. The rest are all, where are, where's Knockout? Hey, don't forget Kamara, he got sent off in his debut. And he got sent <laughs> off. But these players, so let's Even be honest, you know, we've loaned out so many players out. Yep. How many of them have thrived at their their clubs? Probably that's only good. Johansson. That's good. That's and you want them back in Fulham, really? Yeah. Again, that's my point about the whole rebuilding. You've got, you can't suddenly build a new squad overnight, and that's where we've got some problems there. Okay. All right, guys, before we finish up by talking about next season, I want to ask you about Shad Khan. And you've already said this, Emilio. Shad Khan's heart is in the right place. I truly mm. believe that he cares about foam football. Club. He's invested money. I've always said it as an owner, as long as you invest money, you're good with me. You know, And that's what he's done. But the question is, you know, and, you know, oh, I actually brought up the wrong graphic. But, but again, um, 
the graphic that I really want to talk about, how much blame do you put on Shah Khan? And then, you know, because again, I'll then ask the question, if you want Tony gone, I don't see that happening. So then do you want Shah to sell the club? Because again, you know, I don't, but, I'm, but if you truly want change, is that the only way, you know, if people are, you know, I can't imagine Tony's going to walk away and I can't imagine that Shad is going to fire his son. But let's I, start here. How much do you blame? How much blame do you put on Shad Khan, Max? Yeah, I'd say very small. 1% mm-hmm. is, I think, what's left for me because he's not someone, in my opinion, that's intimately devolved in everyday decision making. His main role is to write the checks. Yep. And you want an owner who, number one, writes the checks, that's number right. two, kind of understands of the culture of the club. <clears throat> and I think Shahid Khan in his program notes, most notably seems to get what makes Fulham tick. He, he and he's always seemed to me a very good steward of the club evidenced by the Riverside stand redevelopment, yeah. which I think is his crowning achievement. The one situation where I've criticized Shahid in the past is the manager sackings. Cause I do believe that's where he has the biggest role in Fulham's day-to-day operations. Yep. And I think he was perhaps too quick to pull the trigger in past Premier league seasons. I respect so they stayed with Parker. Yeah. Well, no, that, not that. I was more thinking about, you know, McGat and Roy Mullen. Really? Okay. I, th- right. I think you, we all know you can't, should, whatever. Okay. We'll not, we'll not relitigate the can decision. Okay. But in essence here, I think he's been patient this season. And mm-hmm. I think yeah. we want to talk about a long-term plan. You guys might not, might not like this. I really believe the long-term plan for the cons is build around Scott Parker. I do agree with that. Yeah, I absolutely I, agree with. I, I, I think it's a long-term is, plan until it's the wrong. It's a long-term plan with the manager you disagree with. So yeah, fans can be a bit fickle, to be fair. But no. I do think they they don't oh, want. Oh, I think they're the all in track. on Scott Parker. I yeah. agree with you on that. I agree with you, Max. Max, uh, I'm going to go over to Emilio now. Emilio, quickly on uh, Shad Khan. Look, I'm going to look at, take the royal family here. I know Duke of Edinburgh passed away, so rest. Yep. In, I'm going to you know rest in peace then, and all the love to our Queen. But look at the situation with Prince Harry and same thing there. You know, the the, the, the royal family haven't dethroned the you know, Prince Harry from from his title yet. So to be honest, it's just, I see the same thing here. It's literally Shad Khan. You know, has done the best for the club. He's invested millions. You know, he's done the right thing. I agree with Max. He hasn't necessarily fired managers left right and he's he's built the squad or given faith in Scott Parker, young manager. Yep. who he believes can be, will be the future of this club. I don't think Scott Park will be sacked, to be honest with you. I think Shard Khan will, re, will look to retain him. And the question is, you know, does it go back to the Royal Family connection? Does he want to sack his own son in public? Or does he actually want... Or they'll probably have a negotiation discussions offline. And if Tony kind of means well and knows well, he'll probably say, look, put, get put someone else in place. But they'll do it collectively to ensure the club will can thrive and succeed in the future. I actually think there will be a change. I actually feel that... The, the owner will not accept two success you know, okay. two Premier League relegations. Okay. So there are fundamental okay. flaws there, and I think he's given him the chance to say, "Look, young, my son, do what you can for the club. Let's take this club back to the, the heights that he wants to take them to." Okay, and okay. So you, you I can think see him done. doing that. I okay. think. So. I think behind closed doors, something will happen, and I, I, I suspect there will be a change. Okay. You know, okay. There's only so far you can carry on running multiple businesses and hope that each of them succeed and give. Okay. So I think there will be a change. Okay. And it's one step too far. When you've spent millions on the club, you've extended the stadium, and now you're going realistically back in the championship. That's the owner will not be happy about that. So, okay. So, um, so yeah, I actually think there will be a, there will be a change, and it will be for the best interest of Fulham. And knowing Shad Khan, he will do what's right for the club. But I'm worried that he may throw in the towel and say, "Look, I'm going to sell my club." And this is where oh. mind what we wish for. 
because well, I think these I'm going to ask you this question, yeah. you know, and, and I'm glad we're talking about this. And then obviously we'll finish up with next season, but would you want him to sell the club, Emilio? Would, no, you know, and, and, you know, overall, he's put his money where his mouth is. He spent money on the club. And the only reason why I, I wanted to bring this up is that I don't think that he will fire his son. I think the only no. way that you're going to get that is if he sold it. You seem to differ on that. But the bigger question is, do you want Shaq Khan as your owner? It sounds like you do. I, mean, I do, yes. You know, at the end of the day, he's proven – Three relegations, obviously not a great statistic there, but he's continued to invest funds in the club. He's given Tony Khan over 100 million of you know of his money to invest two seasons ago. Obviously, they're getting parachute payments, so there's obviously a lot of revenue coming into the club. But our financial accounts don't look particularly promising at the moment. So this goes back. He needs to find a way of recouping his funds. So expect to see some 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 sales yep. over the summer to recoup some of that deficit. But we need someone. This this guy's wealthy. His heart's yep. in the right place. He's invested in the club. The stadium's going to be available soon for 30,000 capacity. So let's let's rebuild and hopefully rebuild with someone else uh, underneath him who can can invest correctly with the right players. You know, whether Scott Parker's the right man for the job, I think we probably need a, a further discussion around yep. that. I think yep. you've got to give these young managers a chance. You can't keep firing people left, right and centre. As much okay. as I don't always appreciate what Scott Parker has done for the club in terms of his style of football, it's he's young. You know, you know, the end, okay. I think you've got to give him a chance. Do what do what Burnley did with um, Deitch. They yep. they persevered and they he got promoted first season yep. back. Now they've been how many years back in the Premier League? Yep. Five seasons. So it's if you have have faith, and I think we can we can. But I think it will be a rocky couple seasons. That's that's my only okay. concern. I think we will we will struggle next year. Okay, I'm just going to share this, Max, before I go to you because I find this fascinating. Because we're <laughs> talking about director of football. What do you think about this, Max? Would you have Roy back as director of football and Ray Lewington as first team coach and take down Matt Wells and Stuart Gray just to coaching roles? Very interesting stuff. What, what are your thoughts about bringing Roy back and these suggestions from Ben Lawrence? It's interesting. I don't know if it's the most future forward suggestion, no. but, <laughs> but Roy, Roy Hodgson is keeping Palace in the Premier League, but I don't think the supporters are too happy with his no, you know, they're not. old school style. Not I'm assuming he means Lewington as like first team coach, not as manager, but as an assistant. Yeah, uh, to Scott Parker. I don't know. I don't think that's the answer. To be completely honest, I, I think Roy Hodgson's a legend of the club, but I think we needed perhaps someone a more modern uh, director okay. of football at that. Um, but I, I would not have uh, Shade Khan sell the club to that past point. I think he's a great owner. The problems we have now, I think, are quite serious. And Milo's right; it will yep. be a tough couple of years, but. Let's be very fortunate we're not a team that looks like it might go, you know, into you know, bankruptcy or administration yeah, yeah, that we've seen yeah. countless other teams in the Sunderland. football league go through Sunderland or even mm-hmm. Villa a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, you we don't have, want to be one of these teams. We have a not an absent director of football, but a wandering director of football, but we do have a very sustainable <laughs> owner, and I think we must be cognizant of, of the issues we have. Yep. I think there's severe issues, but they're not existential to the future of the club. And for that reason, I don't think there's any need to sell. I'm happy with Shahid Khan at the very top. Mm-hmm. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, guys. We're going to finish up with next season. So I'm going to give you two scenarios. Millie, I'll start with you. What if Fulham stay up? What do they do? Let's, let's be optimistic because I am an yeah, optimistic yeah. person, even though I don't see no, this happening. No, you're not, you, you can't say you're optimistic anymore after what happened against Leeds. You said we'd go down. Embrace it. Embrace the pessimism. Embrace the pessimism. <laughs> you'll be right. You'll be, you'll Anything's be possible. But correct. 
Anything's possible. Mathematically, it's still possible. So if we do stay up, then... I've gone to the dark side? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Know. Go, Amelia. Sorry. It's... Um... <sighs> Look at Aston Villa. That that was what Tony Khan was, you know, using that as a bench. Yeah. Aston Villa stayed up with a you know, scruff of their neck last season. Yeah, they did. And look, they've, they've invested wisely. They've made some prudent signings. Look, Ollie Watkins. You know, we were. I think we're all yeah. We're having a discussion pre-season. Should we? Should we not? Ooh, thirty million was a bit too much money. In hindsight, maybe we should have spent thirty million on someone of, of his caliber. Look, Villa again. The rewards of that. He's got into the England recognition now as well in England squad. So clearly, you know, that was a, maybe a, a, an opportunity we missed. But I do remember the conversation, 30 million was too much for him. I do remember yeah. that, that. But, but yeah. so if Fulham do stay up, then, then we, we push on. You start, you, you, you look to trans, you transition some of these players to permanent. So Ariola, Anderson, potentially, you know, some of these players who've got options to perm, you know, buy on permanent contracts will probably sign. And then we push on and reinforce in other areas. So the future would be brighter. If we do stay up, and then we manage to retain some of these some of these loan players who have performed, but you know how realistic is it? How, probably about ten percent of me saying you know it's still possible mathematically. It's not the end of the world. Go to Arsenal to surprise everybody. Then yep. Brighton are going to be looking over their shoulders again. But it's it's looking unlikely. So it's maybe a moot point. But if we do stay up, I think we can do what Aston Villa did. Invest okay, and, that- and, and that's what Tony Khan is looking to do. And okay. then we might see Tony Khan still stay in this role. So that's the key thing. Now. <laughs> You're going to stay up. He's going to stay in the role and say, okay. "Look, my job. I've got the gold medal, and I've, I've done. I've done what I was asked to do." Okay. Okay. Very good, Max. I'm going to change my name to Anakin Goldman. By the way. Okay. <laughs> what if Fulham stay up for you? It'll be a great May. That's all I can say. I won't believe it, but I'll be a miracle <laughs> uh, if we do stay up. I think. I really think the next season will be a lot easier than this season. I like just, Emil's Aston Villa. Yeah, I mean, just comparison. by the token of you know that we. We kind of had a four match opposite of a head start. We only really started playing four matches into the season, given the late transfers. Imagine starting a thirty eight match uh, match season actually at the starting line. I think we'll actually be a lot more comfortable because with those fine margins of relegation survival, mm-hmm. that makes a little difference. Those twelve points on offer that we just kind of threw away. So I do think we'll keep a lot of lone players. I think we could maybe convince some of the lone stars, mm-hmm. maybe Anderson, maybe Areola, who knows, to stay yep. just because of building a team which could be competitive in the top 10 of the Premier League. Because I do think we possess some quality, but when you're playing in a relegation campaign, so often the nerves take over and players can't really express themselves. So I would be quite optimistic about a more sustainable future if we stayed up. Okay, very but this good. Is all, this is all very... I, I have convinced myself it won't happen, so it's funny to be talking about this now, Ross. Like, okay, well, we're following that up with this, Max. What if foam go down, okay? What do they do? And to follow that up, I'm going to ask you this question. Okay? What if Fulham go down? And also, should Fulham sack Tony Khan if they go down? So twofold. Yeah. I think there's a good solution that was found in the comments. I forgot who said it. But someone suggested we don't frame it as a sacking. We just transition him to another role at the club. Because let's be very clear here. I think Tony Khan has a role to play at Fulham. I don't think Mm -hmm. that role is in making sure he oversees every single transfer. But you have to give him credit. He's a very smart person. He's a fantastic promoter. I think he probably has a very good sense of humor from what I've seen of the wrestling things. People seem to like him. He's a young Vince McMahon. Okay, I'll give him that. (laughs) I don't don't see the appeal of the wrestling, but a lot of people do. And I have to recognize that, that he seems to be a popular figure. Put him in marketing. You know, Put him in some other sort of promotion. Maybe he's part of a delegation which convinces players to sign for Fulham. He says, look how fun London can be as a young professional. I don't know what it is. 
All I know is he doesn't have a role in the player acquisition process, but it shouldn't be framed as a sacking. He should move on to a different part of the team. I think he cares some about kind of, Fulham Football Club. I don't care what anyone says. He cares about Fulham. It's just that... Not enough to give up get, his other endeavors, but he Yes, cares. yes. Well, to be honest with you, I think that's the crux of the problem. I, I think Tony has put too much on his plate, even though I think he truly believes he can do all three. I think that he's taken on too much, and I think, unfortunately... Sometimes you just got to do one thing and, and thrive in one thing, but he has decided to do three. So, but I do think his heart is in the right place. But I think that, again, I think he's a promoter at heart. So maybe switch his position. I, I do like your suggestion mm-hmm. there, Max. Okay. Emilio, you're going to have final word on this. What if foam go down? And also, do you sack Tony Khan or do you do the transition that has been suggested here? Yeah, if we go down, I think I've said it quite a bit already on the show, but it's, it will be, I think, have the club got the balls to go against their philosophy and try to do tactical signings in the summer? Or do we go and buy players who are capable of getting promoted first time around and are capable of playing? That's a key thing for me. If you're going to try to play conservative, you know, do conservative signings and try to, you know, and try to you know, get promoted but then you have to replace when you get to the Premier League. That that philosophy needs to change. And I, I think twice they've had their fingers burnt now. I don't think they'll do it a third time. Tony Khan, I don't think, will be sacked per se. I think I think maybe he will be out of the picture directly. His wrestling business is thriving. So I think it he is obviously sense and not compromise that. Let him focus on that. Let him carry on the success of that business and allow someone else to take the reins day to day with the club. But if we go down, then promote some of these academy players, give them a chance. But we need to start building some not 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 Cart and Cavalero. You know, we spent big money on them to get them on permanent contracts. They're not good enough for the championship regularly. That last I season. think they need a clean house, Emilio. We need. I've said it before. We just need to bit of a clean up. Yep. Some of these players, and, and you know, even Joe Bryan. Why would Joe Bryan want to play for a third play again in the championship when he's clearly not good enough at this level? Now, do we move on from Joe Bryan, or do we keep him just to get promoted when clearly he's not good enough at this level? Then you look at Tim Reid, move on. On them, oh. not good enough. There's, there's a list longer than my arm. Chris Davidson, I, know, I don't know if you're listening. Or not. I know we, I was having a big debate with him offline last night. And as far as I'm concerned, we disagreed, agreed to disagree the whole time. Yeah. But there's a lot of players. We've got a lot of dead weight in this squad. So that's a worry for me, the rebuild. Okay. We rebuild from scratch, give, promote some of these. But, the, but to Chris's point, we do have some players that you can build some. around. Anthony Robinson. Tosin, yeah, those, yes, you yeah. know, you, you know, you do have players, and, and well, as yeah, you point there. that out to me as well. Yeah, Cabano, Kamara, Reem, Onama. Yeah, I understand O'Brien, those players going. Yep. You know, these play Bettinelli could argue as well. So it's um, you know, there's, there's double double digit figures. We're talking about players who are really not good enough. If you want to get straight back up, then you need to reinforce quite you know quite significantly, and that's going to mean and get some of these youth players involved, money. Emilio. You know, again, we're seeing the success. Another golden age for the under-18s. We're seeing it again. Yeah, yeah. Start promoting Houston, these guys as Houston. they are through the under-23s and eventually give them a chance with the first team. Give them a chance because, again, you might find the next Ryan Sessignon. You might, you you might, might find them. And, I have confidence you know, that whether they're strong enough and brave enough and good enough to be able to, to get promoted and play at the top. That's my concern. Steve, you I'm know. sorry. I'm sorry. I have to jump in. Steve, Steve, and I completely disagree with you. Robinson is not the same as Brian. I completely disagree with you. Anyways, no, I just, go ahead. I sorry. Disagree with that, but I uh, disagree with that. <laughs> but, um, but for me, it's all about 
if you want to do what do, do what Wolves and Brighton have done, Wolves is yep. a good example. You know, that's my. They had a squad of players who were good enough to get promoted and won the championship outright, and have saved three years in this division with tactical improvement season on season. Yep. That's where we'd like to get to. But if you're going to play the bulk of your championship squad last season in the hope they'll get promoted next year, it's not going to happen. Not going okay. To happen. Okay. Very good. All right. Great stuff, guys. We've gone over an hour. This has been a very interesting show. Max, I'm going to say this to you because you said this to me the last time we did a show that you thought it was a little bit therapeutic, that you, you got it all out. Do you feel that way after doing this again? A bit. It's always good to have a lively discussion uh, on a Sunday morning. I'm glad to have so many fans tuning in in the comments. It makes it we feel have a better. Ton. It, it, it's a fun community. We always seem to rally together after big defeats, rally together in our frustration, mm-hmm. our anger. But it's nice to talk about the future for once. Um, and I guess now it's kind of settling in that we're not going to say in this division. Maybe that's that's needed. The acceptance, you know, like the six yep. stages of grief or whatever. It's one of them is acceptance. <laughs> and I think we're, we're in that stage as a fan base now, accepting yep. that there might be a chance, but most likely we're going to go down. Yeah. And just talking very clear-eyed, very rationally, what comes next? Yeah, what exactly. the repercussions are. That's why I appreciate Emilio Ross, you guys doing the show today, because a lot of it was looking forward. And I think that's, Important. Mm-hmm. We can look back and we can analyze, we can criticize, yeah. but what's next? And I think that's really exactly that. That's yeah. was the point of doing this show, Max. And when I thought about doing a post match show before I was going to contact you, I'm thinking one, I, I didn't want to talk about that match again. That was number one. But number two, I wanted it to be constructive. I wanted to mm-hmm. think of a show that would actually be beneficial, not just to us doing, but for everyone watching mm-hmm. and listening. And I think we did that today. And that was the bottom line. You just said, Max, we're a community and we bond together. We go through these similar situations together. So let's talk about it. But let's look forward of and talk about what can form be in the future because they they could go down, but we're still going to be there. Uh, The cons could sell at some point. Who knows? We're still going to be there. It's really about us. The players are going to come and go. It'll be about us. So that's the bottom line. We are the Fulham family, and that's yeah. why I thought this would be a great way to, as a family to come together. So I, I, I hope we did that. Emilio, your thoughts on the show before we go? Yeah, it's been a good show. It's, it's um, you know, like you hit, you've, you've hit the nail on the, you know, nail on the head there. So we are a Fulham family. We've seen a lot darker times. I've been forty-one years. I've been going to Craven Cottage now. So it's a, uh, I've seen much darker times than you know we're going we're to have in the foreseeable future. But I think. My only worry is we're expected to bounce straight back in the Premier League and go play against these big clubs again. That's that's my concern. So I want to have the right right manager, whether it's Scott Parker or not. I want to have yeah. the right recruitment strategy from the top and start having a bit more respect amongst our neutrals because they're all applauding us for our style of football. Yeah, but we're, we're a joke club when it comes to manage it, you know, from a recruitment philosophy, and that's the worry. We need to change that philosophy so people want to play the Fulham Football Club, love Fulham Football Club, and can take this club to, to the levels we deserve. It's, I don't want it to be a yo-yo club. No, I neither it, do I. I want to be back to the uh, fire days with 13 years in the Premier League. And there's no reason why they can't be a yo-yo. There's, no, there's, there's no reason. And that's kind of where I, I think, I don't mean to speak for you, Max, but I think you probably feel the same way, that we just want Fulham where they belong, comfortably in the Premier League. And... Right now, it doesn't look like that, but that's okay because I truly believe they will get there someday. But we're going to keep talking about it because we want them to be there. And I just wanted to just to share this comment from Steve. Steve, thank you. Cheers, he Steve. He basically said he thank was you. listening thank to the three of us. And, and But we are a big Fulham family. 
And that's what that's the bottom line. And I'll end by saying this uh, before before we end the show, because part of the reason why I wanted to do the show is is as I've said to Max several times, it allows me to express myself. And I don't get a chance to do that on a daily basis, talking form where I live. I, I just don't. So this show allows me to do that with friends, Emilio, Max, Giannis, everyone that, that does the show is a friend. And I'm allowed to do that on Cottage Talk. And I can't thank everyone enough for watching and listening. Keep us going. And uh, just want to thank everyone because um, in the darkest times of foam, we're still here, as I said before. We're still here. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere because we're a foam family and all. And my final thoughts on that. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Cottage Talk. For Max Cohen and Emilio Donnell, I'm Russ Cohen. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.